For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt and find more birds this spring. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. That's seafoamworks.com to learn more. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some Axis Deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I Venison.com and use promo code CAL for 20% off your first order. From Meat Eater's World News Headquarters in Bozeman, Montana, this is Cal's Week in Review, presented by Steel. Steel products are available only at authorized dealers. For more, go to steeldealers.com. Now, here's your host, Ryan Cal Callahan. It's a day that ends in Y, which means why not share a cat story. I hear about cat people doing crazy cat things all the time, Thanks to listener Justin Levitzow for bringing this one to my attention. Both the Humane Society and the Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals have programs for what they call working cats, which is not what happens when a young cat from a small town in the Midwest takes off to pursue their big Hollywood dream, which never materializes. Used to be in silent pictures, used to be big. I am big. It's the pictures that got small. Working cats, according to the SPCA of Texas, have, quote, chosen not to be pets. These are unsocialized, feral cats that aren't able to be adopted and live inside a house. So, the working cat program sends them to businesses and farms to supposedly become professional rodent killers. This does work to a degree. The only issue is you can't control what cats kill. It's like hiring a painter to do the house, but he paints over the windows and the bushes too. Anyone who's owned an outdoor cat knows that cats bring home all kinds of critters. A 2012 study that strapped cameras to cats found that about 30% of cats are successful hunters. And these kill about two animals per week. 13% of those animals are birds. The camera to cats also killed lizards, voles, chipmunks, frogs, squirrels, and small snakes. Working cats are all spayed or neutered, so at least they won't be reproducing. But while they're alive, they'll be killing a lot more than just mice and rats. Something to keep in mind if you have a mouse problem and are thinking about getting a cat to fix it. This week, we've got boat burials, Massachusetts, and the crime desk. But first, I'm going to tell you about my week. In my week, as well as this podcast, is brought to you by Steel Power Equipment. 
as you know, I am in New Mexico right now, talking with elk. Not actually able to give you the up-to-date rundown of my actual week. So instead, I wanted to drop a couple of upcoming things in the conservation world in your lap right now. First, let's talk turkey. National Wild Turkey Federation's Big Sky Forestry Initiative, co-developed by the National Wild Turkey Federation and the USDA Forest Service, will help bring partners and funding together to reduce the threat of catastrophic wildfire, enhance wildlife habitat, secure clean water, maintain access and recreational opportunities, and prepare communities on the wildland interface for wildfire. Here's the gist. We used to fight fire with fire. And we have not for a long time. We have a huge fuel buildup and hotter, drier climates. I love what NWTF, in conjunction with U.S. Forest Service, is doing here to push for healthier habitat. If you are looking for ways to get involved, to help with your time, your talent, or your treasure, contact Jason Tarwater at jtarwater at nwtf.net. Next up, all you Texicans, Pay special attention as we are talking about the cutoff, that special section of the Trinity River on the border of Navarro County and Henderson County that has been publicly used and accessible for fishing and recreation and treated as such by the great state of Texas has been illegally fenced, blocking public access to public water. Texas BHA has a letter in to Governor Greg Abbott, and that letter is co-signed by Texas Rivers Protection Association and North Texas Mudboat Association. If you also feel like your public access to public water, again, recognized as such by the state of Texas, is illegally blocked and you need access to it because that's your right as a Texican, then write in to Governor Abbott, Texas Parks and Wildlife, your county commissioners, and check out the Texas Backcountry Hunters and Anglers channels for a lot more information. Moving on down the river. An interesting grave was recently discovered in interior Argentinian Patagonia. A woman between the ages of 17 and 25 was found adorned in red ochre, laying inside a canoe, or wampo. The site is approximately 900 years old. A couple of interesting facts about this discovery. Boat burials are most commonly associated with sea cultures, which doesn't fit this location. And then again, most commonly for seafaring men, not women. And there were two men buried in close proximity to this woman, but not in canoes. Very unsurprisingly, anthropologists are busy trying to guess as to why a female would have been buried in a canoe in the mountains. The answer is, of course, religion. Multiple boating cultures use the boat as the vessel to transport the dead into the afterlife. It is not appropriate to guess that someone at the scene of the burial 900 years ago who belonged to this Patagonian side of Argentinian culture that sometimes used canoes, said, hey, everyone, this lady that we want to bury, uh, why don't we put her in this boat that we sometimes use? Moving on to the crime desk. In Tennessee, wildlife officials are looking for someone who shot a whitetail buck in the head with a crossbow. No, it's not because you're a good shot. It's not illegal to shoot a buck in the head with a crossbow, but archery season doesn't begin in Tennessee until the end of September. This buck's 10-point rack was still covered in velvet. Here's the best part of this story. The buck survived the arrow to the head, and wildlife officials began looking for the animal after images of the buck started circulating on social media. The arrow is sticking out from its forehead right between the eyes, but it appears to be moving around just fine. 
Officials located the buck and removed the arrow after tranquilizing it. They told the Tennessean that it seemed to be doing okay after they released it back into the woods. As of this recording, the suspect is still at large. If you have any information on this case, email montana.michelson, that's M-I-C-H-E-L-S-O-N, at tn.gov or call 615-781-6622. For those of you archers who are unrelated to the case, broadside, through the ribs, always a safe bet when it comes to shot placement. You'll have a quick recovery, meat in the freezer, and you won't make the news because if you're listening to this, I'm sure you only hunt during the legal season. Drones, also known as unmanned aerial vehicles or UAVs, have gotten much less expensive in the last decade or so, and they've been giving game wardens a real headache. It's illegal in most jurisdictions to hunt with a drone, but that didn't stop a 33-year-old man in Alaska from using one to harvest a sublegal bull moose earlier this year. Alaska wildlife troopers received a Crime Stoppers tip that Jeffrey Knuth had killed the moose with the help of a drone. The news release doesn't say, but I'm assuming he used the drone to scout for the moose and hunted the same day, not to kill it. He was only convicted of two misdemeanors and fined $2,000. If he used the drone as a weapon, he would have landed in much hotter water. It is illegal under federal law for anyone not in the military to operate a weaponized drone, and doing so can come with civil penalties of up to $25,000. That's just a PSA for all you crazy hog hunters in Texas who hunt pigs from helicopters. Don't pretend you haven't thought about strapping an AR-15 to a drone and eliminating the need for the helicopter pilot, maintenance, and fuel bill. Moving north of the border to Canada, someone cut the fence of a wolf enclosure at the Greater Vancouver Zoo and let out a pack of wolves. Nine wolves escaped the enclosure into the city, and one of them eluded zoo officials for three days until it was finally recaptured. One of the wolves was hit by a car, but the other eight are safely back within the walls of their enclosure. As of this recording, officials haven't said whether they've identified a suspect in the alleged jailbreak, but I've got a hot tip for you Canadians. Look for someone wearing wool. Or possibly dressed up as grandma. Staying at the semi-international crime desk, a Liberian man named Moatsu Kroma was sentenced to 63 months in a U.S. federal prison for conspiring to traffic in millions of dollars in rhinoceros horns and elephant ivory. These horns and ivory came from 35 rhinoceros and more than 100 elephants that had been illegally poached, according to a press release by the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York. Chroma and two co-conspirators were involved in smuggling over 400 pounds of rhinoceros horns and over 20,000 pounds of ivory from various East African countries to buyers in the U.S. and Southeast Asia. They would smuggle the illicit goods into the country by hiding them in pieces of art, such as African masks and statues. The horns were estimated to be worth 3.4 million U.S. dollars, while the ivory would have netted over 4 million. The story has received a huge amount of international attention, including from England's Prince William. He praised the hefty prison sentence and called the landmark case a significant victory for conservation as he kicked up his feet on an elephant footstool and smoked out of his Warsham pipe after playing some billiards with ivory balls. They're just antiques, the prince said. Well, if this is it, old boy, I hope you don't mind if I go out speaking to kings. I'm kidding. That's a large assumption. 
I'm sure Prince William doesn't have anything that's very old and came from a different country at a different time. Just wrong to think of. For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt and find more birds this spring. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam motor treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who has used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. I guarantee you've listened to them because I use it you know, regularly. People everywhere rely on seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. You've heard that name before because I've talked about them here on this podcast. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. Now, it's wild axis deer, which is an invasive species, but this operation is monitored and observed by the USDA and they can commercially sell axis deer. Last time I went out to uh, Maui to hunt axis, I did not kill one, which is where Maui Nui Venison would come in very handy for folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful and still want to have something in the freezer or uh, handy in the form of a snack stick that is as close to getting your own as you can get, which is what Maui Nui Venison is. You can become a snack subscriber, get some Axis Deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I Venison.com and use promo code CAL for 20% off your first order. Another big poaching case wrapped up in New Mexico last month after a years-long investigation resulted in three people being charged and convicted for 20 violations. A local resident near Mayhill, New Mexico, tipped off law enforcement to elk hunting violations perpetrated by Alex Miller, Case and Flott, and Jenna Livers. All three individuals were captured on video using their dogs to attack and hold down a bull elk until they could approach and kill the animal. According to the New Mexico Department of Game and Fish, they shot the animal with 22 caliber firearms until it died, and then they left it to rot. Later reports corroborated that two additional bull elk and one mule deer buck suffered the same fate at the hands of these poachers. It is unlawful in New Mexico to hunt elk, deer, pronghorn, or turkey with dogs. It is illegal to shoot elk with small caliber firearms, and it is a felony to leave a game animal to rot. Additionally, and to no big surprise, the 2019 killings happened out of season and none of the individuals possessed hunting licenses. 
Miller received four years and six months of supervised probation and an $825 fine. Flott was sentenced to three years of supervised probation and a $565 fine. Livers received three years of supervised probation. Miller and Flott also won't be able to purchase hunting licenses for 10 years, and Livers will be suspended for five years. As with most big poaching busts, this case relied on tips from concerned citizens. The violations occurred on private land, and who knows how long they would have continued if they weren't reported. If you ever see potential wildlife crimes, get in touch with Operation Game Thief in your state. In Florida, Governor Ron DeSantis and the state cabinet announced a $56 million investment to acquire seven properties across the state that will be designated for conservation. The properties span nearly 20,000 acres, more than 98% of which is in the Florida Wildlife Corridor. This newly designated corridor spans 17.7 million acres in the state and is designed to connect crucial habitat for Florida's diverse flora and fauna. 54% of the corridor is currently protected, while 46% is considered opportunity areas for further conservation. Governor DeSantis and his administration just added nearly 20,000 acres to those protected areas, which will increase recreational opportunities, protect threatened species, and conserve clean water. In another piece of good news, Massachusetts recently became the last state in the union to join the Interstate Wildlife Violator Compact. As we've discussed previously on the podcast, the Wildlife Violator Compact establishes a process whereby wildlife law violations perpetrated by a non-resident while in a member state may be handled as if the person were a resident in the state where the violation took place. Members of the compact also recognize license suspensions in other member states which keeps violators from simply crossing state lines to continue hunting. The Massachusetts Fisheries and Wildlife Board also decided to allow hunters on some wildlife management areas to hunt during the half hour before sunrise and the half hour after sunset. These are some of the most productive times for whitetail hunters, and now they'll be able to take advantage. In a final piece of news so good you may think I'm nuts, the Massachusetts Fisheries and Wildlife Board also extended the squirrel season by two months. Instead of ending on January 2nd, squirrel season will now last until the end of February. Big congrats goes out to the New England chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. All three of these wins have been priorities for several years, and it's great to see them accomplished. In New Zealand, hunters are struggling with wait times for gun licenses that sometimes stretch to as many as three years. Listener Mitchell Freer wrote in to tell me that in the wake of the massacre at Christchurch Mosque, the government expanded the application to own a firearm from three pages to 34 pages. Wait times for licenses have increased from three months to over three years, and even license renewals can take as many as 12 months. Compound bows and crossbows are legal to hunt with on public ground, but it takes some serious foresight to acquire or possess firearms in New Zealand without having your license expire. If you live in New Zealand and plan to hunt in 2023, now is the time to submit your application for license renewal. South Dakotans have an important policy decision ahead of them. The 90s, as in the 1990s, saw massive moisture accumulation in the state, and some landowners found that what was once dry had turned into a lake. That's a raw deal if you're planning to graze livestock or grow crops. So in 2017, the state legislature came up with a, quote, solution. 
The Open Waters Compromise split the state's lakes into two categories, meandered and non-meandered. Meandered lakes are those that mapmakers drew during early statehood. These are the uh, original gangsters of the South Dakota lakes. Non-meandered lakes are all other lakes. Landowners can petition the state to privatize portions of non-meandered lakes that cover properties they purchased. They must post private property signs and buoy off the section of the lake so anglers know they can't access it. Whether you think the solution, which involves public water that can flow over the top of a three-strand barbed wire property boundary, which is six feet underwater, was fair or not, there's a new problem. According to a great report by Joshua Heyer of South Dakota Public Broadcasting, as water levels continue to rise in some areas, landowners are petitioning the state to privatize some of the meandered lakes, the original or original gangsters, the OG state lakes, that aren't supposed to be eligible for privatization. The Game, Fish, and Parks Department hasn't held any hearings on this development, and they haven't commented on the issue. Private land advocates say the same logic that applies to meandering lakes should apply to non-meandering ones as well. But opponents point out that such a major change should be subject to public scrutiny, as, after all, it affects everyone. This issue doesn't look like it's going to go away anytime soon, and hunters and anglers should make sure they're a part of whatever decision is made. It will absolutely affect you and your children and likely your children's children. South Dakotans love to hunt and fish. You need to be involved. Read up on the issue and contact the Game, Fish, and Parks Department along with your state representatives and make sure your voice is heard. Moving on to the conservation desk. Conservationists in Maryland are sounding the alarm about a salmon farming facility that could pose environmental risk to a sensitive creek. Marshy Hope Creek is the only body of water in the state where Atlantic sturgeon spawn, but some worry that discharge from the salmon farming facility will threaten the endangered species. Norwegian company Aquacon is proposing to build a 25-acre indoor salmon farming facility on the banks of the Marshy Hope Creek. They plan to harvest 35 million pounds of salmon per year and discharge more than 2 million gallons of water every day straight into the nearby stream. A group of scientists and environmental advocates voiced their concerns in an editorial for local newspaper, Maryland Matters. They claim that the Aquacon's draft discharge permit issued by the Maryland Department of the Environment is, quote, concerning and deficient. They claim that, quote, if Aquacon is allowed to operate under this permit, there are numerous risks to the eastern shore ecosystems and the Chesapeake Bay. They say that the facility's wastewater will overwhelm the narrow and mostly shallow Tidal Creek, and the Maryland Department of the Environment has not sufficiently addressed how this water will affect the sturgeon spawn. At the heart of their concerns is the fact that the state has never dealt with any proposed salmon farming operation on this scale. They want environmental officials to take more time and assess in greater detail the effect Aquacon salmon farm will have on the sensitive local environment. For their part, Aquacon points out that all wastewater released into the creek will be purged of salt and will be within 2 degrees Celsius of the water already in the creek. These are the two greatest threats to the sturgeon in the river. Even the slightest bit of salinity will prohibit effective spawning, and the cold water needed to grow salmon can also be harmful to sturgeon. 
Aquacon lawyers claimed in a recent public hearing that they are required by their discharge permit to address both concerns, according to Maryland Public Radio. If you live in Maryland, especially if you like to fish for bass or crappie along Marshy Hope Creek or redfish out there in the bay, this is a story you'll want to keep your eye on. The Maryland Department of the Environment has extended the comment period through mid-October, and Aquacon will need other permits as well. It could be two years before construction begins, so you have a chance to get ahead of this one. It is possible, mind you, to be a clean, conscientious farmer that works with the environment, even benefits it. And it is possible that the state will ensure that Aquacon is just that. But you Marylanders need to tell me. Another environmental controversy is taking shape in California, where the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service has granted a permit for Canadian mining company to begin exploratory drilling near Hot Creek. Hot Creek is located a few miles outside Mammoth Lakes, California, in the east-central portion of the state to be exact. It's one of the best fly fisheries in the country, and the creek is filled with large and wily brown trout that attract anglers from all over the world, which, by the way, is where brown trout are from, not California. Either way, core mining, spelled K-O-R-E, has been granted a permit to conduct exploratory mining for gold in an area that sits adjacent to Hot Creek near the headwaters of the Owens River. CORE plans to install 14 drill pads that measure 30 by 50 feet. The drilling will take place 24 hours a day, and the process creates waste that the company is supposed to haul away. Opponents of the permit were unsuccessful in their bid to stop the exploratory drilling, but what they're really worried about is that the company will find gold. A large open-pit gold mine so close to Hot Creek could have serious environmental impacts. CORE plans to use cyanide to separate gold from other earth materials, which could potentially leach into the groundwater and harm local wildlife. The fishing advocacy group, Cal Trout, also points out that mining activities can cause sulfuric acid and heavy metals to run into nearby streams during heavy rains. Anything that flows into Hot Creek will eventually flow downhill into the Owens River and Crowley Lake. Just like in Maryland, this is one for you Californians to keep your eye on. Core Mining recently announced that they've reorganized their leadership to, quote, cut costs and conserve capital. However, they say their sea level shakeup will allow them to, quote, preserve optionality to pursue their permitted drill program near Hot Creek. They may be scaling back for now, but they still have those permits and they probably don't want them to go to waste. That's all I've got for you this week. Thank you so much for listening. As per usual, write in to A-S-K-C-A-L, that's AskCal at TheMeatEater.com, and let me know what's going on in your neck of the woods. You know, I appreciate it. Now, if you're so sick and tired of this hot weather being served up to us in September, you may want to think about getting yourself a clean, quiet, steel, battery-operated blower. They'll cool you down in a hot minute. If that's not for you, get yourself a chainsaw or a set of loppers. The pruning shears and loppers will slice through pig ribs, antelope ribs, light deer like whitetails, sika deer, coos deer, you name it. I misuse steel equipment all the time for my butchering needs, and I'm super happy about it. Check them out for yourselves by going to steeldealers.com and find a local knowledgeable steel dealer near you. They're going to get you set up with what you need and not try to send you home with what you don't. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you next week.
outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. That's seafoamworks.com to learn more. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access to your populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some Axis Deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I Venison.com and use promo code CAL for 20% off your first order. 